Fantasy, best friends forever. Yeah. Best friend forever. EY, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Frankie? I'd never let you be totally alone, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. EY coming through in the clutch. Normally, EY, I ask Greg how he slept last night. So, how'd you sleep last night? Uh, I slept for about uh, well, two and a half hours and then was on a flight at 7 a.m. back to beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. How are things holding up in uh, Tennessee nowadays, EY? I still got to get out there one day. I know that like there's a, a, an awesome nightlife out there, um, and of course you're there, so I got to make it out sometime. How, how are things hanging around in Tennessee right now? I can say as a person that travels for a living, I've been to every major city in the United States, in North America, and piles of major cities all over the world. Nashville is one of the best cities in the world. Uh, the problem for me is the secret is out, and people are moving here at an alarming rate. It's, uh, I feel like the city is 10 times bigger than it was in 2004 when I first moved here. But this is home for me. Uh, I absolutely love it. The weird thing about it is, I think I said the story on the show before, I was a Tennessee Titans fan before I moved here. The Buffalo Bills broke my heart as a kid, made me stop watching football for about two or three years, and then when I went back to football, I chose a new team, and it was the Tennessee Titans. Weird happenstance, I ended up living here, and, and this is my home, and, and I'll live here for as long as possible. So, EY, when you talk about the expansion of the city, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Do you Are you a people person? I, I mean, I feel like more people come to New York, like... Admittedly, Gabe Morency has heard me talk about this on the show before. I hate living in New York. There's too many people. There's too many crazy people here while we're at that. And just like public transportation, I'm pretty much over it. So um, I'll be looking to change that in the next com- uh, the next couple of years. But is that a good thing that like people are moving into Tennessee? Is it like hipsters and stuff? Like please. for me, no. I mean, uh, there. There are, uh, I mean, the hipsters, it's an epidemic in every city, but here's what they do is they, <laughs> they, they flood in with their flannel jackets and stupid mustaches. Uh, they buy up all the crummy old housing and, and, and project housing and, and, and rougher areas of the city. They fix them, they paint them, they open all these really cool restaurants and, uh, it's an advantage for me, I suppose, but it's, uh, it's cool to be part of a city that's growing like this. Um, we got our, our house at a very good deal very early on. You know, property value is skyrocketing, and uh, it's it's a cool city to live. It is one of the it cities in the United States, and uh, I knew that moving here in two thousand four. I'm not definitely not a, an original, but I can I consider myself a, a Nashville original because I've been here for so long. You know, as much as we've talked about Tennessee so far today, you would have thought we were doing a Titans preview on the show. We are not, actually. We are, not. We are doing the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. We're finishing up the NFC North. Yesterday, we had Derek Brown on the show to talk about the Detroit Lions. Uh, that was awesome. We got into a little bit of a uh, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin debate. But today, the Packers and the Minnesota Vikings are the teams that we're going to focus on. I'm not going to start talking about those teams before we have this uh, the break coming up here. But real quick, EY, I'll just throw this your way because we were talking about it yesterday. Again, Galladay versus Chris Godwin. I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting question because to me, Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver one for what I expect to be a run-first team in the Detroit Lions, 
whereas Chris Godwin is the wide receiver two. There's no questioning that. He's not going to get more targets than Mike Evans. I understand that. But he's the number two for a pass-happy offense in the Tampa Bay Bucks. So if you had to choose one of those, Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin, which way would you lean? Uh, so I have Kenny Galladay about four or five spots above um, Godwin right now. I just feel that Galladay is the number one. It wouldn't matter which slice is going to be the number two in Tampa. I think uh, Tampa's offense is going to be more potent, is going to throw the ball more than Detroit is. But I believe in Galladay. I believe in his skill set. Uh, baby Tron, man, uh, he's got all the tools. I mean, he's not as big as Calvin Johnson was, but he's a big guy, great hands, s- super smooth route running. Um, I think this is going to be a-, a big year for Galladay. Yeah, admittedly, I might be overthinking things a little bit here because I agree with you. I don't want to downplay the player, Kenny Galladay. I think that he is a really, really talented player. I just worry that Matt Patricia just wants to be this, you know, play defense, pound the rock you know, uh, keep the ball away from the opposing team kind of offense. But look, you're, there still is probably, there's still going to be enough targets to go around for Kenny Galladay. Uh, I just thought it was worth asking. I thought it was a, a close question. Greg didn't seem to agree at all. You know, as usual, he just dismissed my question and said, no, it's not close at all. It's Kenny Galladay. I think it's a little bit closer. But today, again, we'll have the, uh, we'll preview the Packers. Interesting team here with Matt LaFleur coming over to become the head coach. Uh, does, does, does he deserve to be the head coach of this team? I think that's an interesting question. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, is he the wide receiver one in fantasy football? Aaron Jones is really interesting. And then with the Vikings, Kevin Stefanski and this team seems like they want to run the ball, but they have really, really good options in the pass game. So we'll talk about all of that for the next coming hour here. Till 3 p.m., it's myself and Eric Young here. It's the BFF's Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to the BFFs right here on the Fantasy Sports Network. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by Eric Young, my good buddy who wouldn't leave me hanging. Greg Sussman, he'll leave me hanging. He doesn't care. But as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. We're going to jump right into that now. Tease it a little bit before the break. Matt LaFleur comes over to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Mike McCarthy was fired midseason last year for the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur comes over from the Tennessee Titans, where he was the offensive coordinator. It's an interesting fit here because Matt LaFleur has worked under both Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Everybody in the NFL is trying to find the next Sean McVay, trying to find the next you know, Kyle Shanahan as well. I think you know Kyle Shanahan doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for, I guess, not being Sean McVay, but he was kind of like that offensive guru, that, that QB whisperer before. Sean McVay was around, but Matt LaFleur has worked under both of these guys, so he has really, really good offensive concepts. We didn't necessarily see that last year with the Tennessee Titans. They finished 25th in overall offense. 
They finished seventh in rushing, so they're a really good run team. Obviously, we saw what Derrick Henry did over the final four weeks of the season. They finished 29th in passing. Probably has to do a little bit with personnel, the fact that Marcus Mariota was not 100% healthy last year as well. But it's going to be interesting to see how he comes in and fits with Aaron Rodgers, because when you think about it, Aaron Rodgers might have more play-calling acumen than Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur has only called plays one year in the NFL, and that was last year with the Tennessee Titans. And Aaron Rodgers has basically been audibling off of Matt, Mike McCarthy's plays for, I don't know, the past three, four, five years. So he knows a little bit about calling plays himself. So I'm interested to see how this is going to fit. I believe Matt LaFleur is only like four or five years older than Aaron Rodgers, so that's interesting here as well. EY, I want to talk here about, first of all, just like QB strategy. Normally... If we play in a one-quarterback league, I'm not going to be one of, the, one of the first people to draft a quarterback. In a super flex league, Aaron Rodgers probably go, going within the first two rounds. Maybe he slips to the first three rounds. But in a one-quarterback league right now in the NFFC, he's going late fifth round, early sixth round. I might actually be able to get behind that. This feels like the first time in a long time we're actually getting Aaron Rodgers at a bit, at a bit of a discount. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers overall and... In a one-quarterback league, would you take one of those top four quarterbacks? Mahomes goes in like the second, third round, so I don't know about that. But then those other three, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, it seems like you could get those guys anywhere from rounds four to six. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, technically-wise, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. He does everything. He thinks the game well. He throws well. He can throw long. He can throw short. He can throw with touch. He can scramble. He can run. I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do. Uh, as far as Lafleur goes, uh, I mean, he was here in Tennessee, and it took him 12 games to figure out to uh, hand the ball to a six foot three, 245 pound running back that can run like the wind. I mean, I uh, I drafted Derrick Henry everywhere last last year because Lafleur and, and the coaching team there said that's what they were going to do. But I think he was trying to make uh, the Tennessee Titans a, a, a spread kind of passing offense, kind of what Mariota was used to in um, Oregon. But the the problem was is is I don't think Mariota is a good enough quarterback. That's that's just the sad truth. Uh, I own a Mariota jersey. I want him to be good. Uh, he plays in my hometown team. But Lafleur. Um, and Rodgers, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Everyone's saying, LaFleur's this offensive guy, LaFleur's this offensive guy. Well, we haven't seen it. We've seen him finally give in and give 20 touches to the best player on the team, Derrick Henry. But that, I don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay. And I mean, to me, I wrote it down right here. Aaron Rodgers is the, is the offensive coordinator. He's going to make the call. Yeah, that's absolutely true. When it comes to Aaron Rodgers last year, he finished QB9 in fantasy points per game. He hasn't finished as a top-five quarterback each of the past two seasons, but during that time, he's dealt with shoulder injuries. He's dealt with head injuries last year. You know, we all remember in week one, uh, the knee injury. <laughs> Very loopy in the post-game interview as well. They basically, you know, hopped him up on something and basically told him, uh, you know, go out there and try and win this game in the second half. And he basically played the whole season with a bum knee. Uh, and I think you kind of saw that reflected in his performance. His completion percentage, 62.3%. That was the second lowest of his career as a starter. His touchdown percentage. Now, this is interesting. Touchdown percentage is how many touchdowns you throw divided by pass attempts. Last year, it was 4.2%. That was by far the lowest of his career, and he did all of that on a bum knee. He threw 25 touchdowns. If you just give him his career touchdown rate 
of 6.2% last season based on the pass attempts he had. His touchdowns go from 25 to 37. That would have made him the QB2 last year. So that's why I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers. And normally, I understand everyone wants to wait on quarterback and there's a lot of value. But if you play in a one-quarterback league, you are still trying to find a quarterback who has massive upside who can deliver as a top-five quarterback. You don't have to pay the price tag that we've had to pay in years past with Aaron Rodgers where he's a anywhere from like a 2-3 round 4 pick. He's going at the end of round 5, early round 6. So if he can see that touchdown rate jump back up and his weapons can stay healthy, we know Devontae Adams is awesome. Geronimo Allison performed really well in the first month of the season. Marquez Valdez-Gantling showed flashes last year as well. If these guys could stay healthy, there's no arguing that Aaron Rodgers has weapons around him. So I am actually kind of talking myself into, I might actually be in on drafting Aaron Rodgers, whereas in year past, years past, I wouldn't want to pay up for some of these quarterbacks. EY, you know, I don't know how many best ball drafts you've done or any mock drafts, but... Too many. Are you going to... Have you drafted Aaron Rodgers? Are you going to draft him? Uh, like I said, I've done too many of those, so I have no idea who I have <laughs> on what team. But look at, uh, I mean, this is the year to draft Aaron Rodgers. He was, uh, I don't know statistically offhand, but I, I would imagine he was top 10, top 12 quarterback on one leg. The coach and, and offensive coordinator and quarterback relationship was not not good in, in Green Bay. That's going to affect play calling. That's going to affect play. That's going to affect mood. It's going to affect confidence. This year, is he's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to prove to everybody that they didn't win the Super Bowl, and it was Mike McCarthy's fault. That's how Aaron Rodgers is. That's what I believe. He's going to come out. He's going to, if as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be great. And getting him in the fourth or the fifth round, that's a steal. The big thing right now is like, oh, we'll wait on quarterback and wait on quarterback. And I'm guilty of this. I've waited too long. You just have to watch your draft and see who's available. Watch quarterback runs. I'm telling you, you will not regret drafting Aaron Rodgers in the fourth or fifth round and have a massive advantage at a position like quarterback that can produce 20, 25 points every week. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Again, I, you know, normally I'm not in on the top tier of quarterbacks, but I think if there's any year to buy, as you said, I think this is the year. I also think this is the year to buy in on Devontae Adams. I drafted him in my Scott Fishbowl. I believe you drafted him in the first round of your Scott Fishbowl as well, right, EY? Uh, no, I took oh, Hopkins. You took Hopkins. He's, he's my uh, right now. He's my in, going in between my number four and number two. So it's like Julio, him, and Mike Evans are like my three that kind of switch. And uh, I mean, just depends on what day you catch me. I think. Yeah, I think you know when you draft that early on, you want to diversify your teams a little bit. I understand, you know, maybe one team I'll grab Devonte Adams, one one team I'll grab Julio Jones. You change it up for me. Devonte Adams is my wide receiver one this year. I like him more than DeAndre Hopkins. I think first and foremost, you look at what he did last year: consistency when it came to Devonte Adams. He had 80 yards or a touchdown in all 15 games that he played last year, and again, that was with a hobbled Aaron Rodgers. He Devontae Adams finally took that step into being a superstar wide receiver. 169 targets, 29% of the target share that was third amongst wide receivers last season. 111 catches, almost 1,400 yards, uh, and, and the touchdowns. He's had at least 10 touchdowns in three straight seasons. He has 35 touchdowns in his last 45 games played. Why is that the case? Well, he leads the NFL in red zone targets over the past three seasons. 
He's averaged 25.7 red zone targets per season. EY, I don't think that you could go wrong with either Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins is probably the best pound-for-pound wide receiver in the NFL. But I think Devontae Adams' improvement as a separator, as a route runner, what he does in the red zone, and the fact that he has one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time gives him the edge for me in terms of being the wide receiver one for fantasy football this season. And for anyone who's trying to downplay Devontae Adams' skill and say that he's really not that good, he just plays with Aaron Rodgers, I think you should go back and watch some of the tape. He's at least, he can't be lower than a top three wide receiver in fantasy football this season. When we come back, I want to talk about Aaron Aaron Jones and the Green Bay Packers rushing attack. We'll do that here on the BFF's Frank Stample EY Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Do you want two risk-free wagers up to $1,000? Go to pointsbet.com slash grid and open up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBet also offers its own betting concept where customers are rewarded by how much they win their bet. For example, if you bet Central Florida minus three and they cover the spread by 10 points, you'll receive 10 times your stake. That's pointsbet.com slash grid. Enter promo code GRID and get your two risk-free bets up to $1,000 today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the BFS. Frank Stanfield joined by Eric Young here previewing the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. We've already talked about Aaron Rodgers, how he's going to gel with Matt LaFleur, Devontae Adams. I have him as my wide receiver one. EY says he's anywhere from two to four for him. I just trust him immensely. I moved him to two. You talked me into it. (laughs) I'm happy I can do so, EY. I'm I'm hoping that I could talk other people into drafting him in the first round as well. I mentioned in the Scott Fishbowl, I had pick 11. I I took Devontae Adams. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was already off the board, so I took Devontae Adams, and then I came back around and took Zach Ertz because of the tight end premium there. But enough on Scott's fishbowl. I mentioned I wanted to talk about Aaron Jones and the Green Bay Packers rushing attack here. And it's, it's a really interesting one here, EY, because all of last year, we were pounding the table, begging Mike McCarthy, begging the Packers, when are you just going to hand over the job to Aaron Jones? And it took a long time, but after the bye week, In Week 7, Aaron Jones played over 50% of the snaps in each game from Weeks 8 through 13. He was RB12 during that stretch. Never had lower than 14 touches during that stretch. Never had more than 20 touches. So that's your floor and your ceiling for him last year when he was actually given the starting job. Uh, A floor of 14 touches, a ceiling of 20 touches. He averaged 16.5 touches per game. He scored 7 total touchdowns in 6 games. EY, how do you feel about Aaron Jones this year? He seems to be going in that range, in that that round three range. I mentioned this yesterday as well. Similar range to Kerryon Johnson, uh, but it seems like those running backs are the ones that have the upside to 
ascend into being an RB1. It's Aaron Jones. It's Kerryon Johnson. It's Marlon Mack. I think Josh Jacobs is in that mix as well. I'm sure some people will try and talk you into Leonard Fournette being in that mix as well. Do you think that Aaron Jones has that upside to play as an RB1? And what do you think about his value right now going in that mid to late round three range? Yeah, as far as running backs go, I got him as my running back 12. And I think that's just based solely on the fact that his ceiling is so high. We've never seen a full usage Aaron Jones. Look, Jamal Williams is still there. Jamal Williams is kind of okay at everything. He's going to get touches. He's going to spell Aaron Jones. But Aaron Jones is going to be the guy. I think Lafleur last learned last year, when you play your best running back a lot, good things happen. Aaron Jones can, can do it all. Aaron Jones is a guy that every time he touches the ball, something special can happen because he's such a good athlete. So uh, he, he's a guy that I'm super high on. Um, having someone like Aaron Rodgers and the complimented wide receivers that they have, you know that the running back is going to have plenty of room to run, and that's exciting because Aaron Jones, I think, could even do it with eight guys in the box. Yeah, I agree with you. And you look at his numbers so far in his two-year career, EY, and his efficiency has been awesome. He's averaged 5.5 yards per carry so far in his career. He has 42 runs of 10-plus yards. And mind you, you know he's missed eight games because of uh, three MCL tears. So... You have to bake that into his downside as well. This guy has had knee injuries in the past. He's already missed eight games. I think you get Jamal Williams quite easily as a handcuff later on in drafts. And we saw the final month or so of the season when Aaron Jones missed time. Jamal Williams was capable of handling a big workload. And because of that volume, he was fantasy viable as well. But I really, I love where Aaron Jones is going right now. Again, I, you know, you have him as your RB12. I haven't finished my RB rankings yet, but I do think that he has RB1 upside. Now, I found this tweet from Evan Silva, formerly of Roto World, the great Evan Silva. He actually has his own project that he's working on now, EstablishTheRun.com. He quoted Packers News earlier today, and here's what they had to say about Aaron Jones. You've seen this spring, they haven't hesitated. He's been their guy. Aaron Jones is the number one running back. That's how it's been in terms of repping. That's how it's going to be this fall. So we're getting some confidence now in Aaron Jones as the number one guy. And I agree with what you said, EY. Look, if Matt LaFleur learned from last year about choosing who your number one running back should be, it took him forever to figure out Derrick Henry was that guy. He should not make the same mistake heading into this season with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones. If he's the starter and sees a similar workload to what he saw last year during that week 8-13 to stretch... Aaron Jones legitimately has RB1 upside. So I'm, I'm very excited about where he's going right now in draft. So we've already talked about Aaron Jones. We've talked about Devontae Adams. I just want to bring up the other wide receivers on this team quickly, EY, uh, because I think that there could be value here because we've seen that in the past that you know when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, he can, he can produce two top 24 wide receivers. We know Devontae Adams is going to get his, but we have to decide whether that number two wide receiver is Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I think last year we saw stretches where both guys were fantasy viable. As of right now, which way are you leaning, EY? I think it's going to be weird there for me. I still have Allison ranked above Scantling, but Scantling, I think, uh, to me, he's like a super-powered Robbie Anderson. He's tall, he's thin. And he is fast. Like, this guy's going to line up on the outside. He's going to stretch the field. And that's going to make Aaron Rodgers and the other guys even more dangerous. You have to respect the speed that this guy has. 
He's a crazy downhill threat. I think he ran a a a, a four three forty, or it might have been even lower than that. I can't remember the the time offhand, but he's a burner, he, and he's going to to rip. And when he had his opportunities last year, he was pretty efficient. I think Allison is going to play in the slot. I think that right now they have it like, said uh, Allison is the third receiver, but I think he's the number two option in Green Bay. Yeah, so everything I've read so far says that Geronimo Allison has been working in the slot, and the way that we've seen NFL trending the past couple of years, EY, is that the slot receiver for you know whatever team it's been has been really, really fantasy viable. So I think that's PPR. Yeah, and look, as with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, I mean, how can you go wrong being the slot receiver for the Packers? The reason I bring up Allison versus MVS is because right now. Their ADP is separated by seven spots in the NFFC. So Geronimo Allison's going at pick 110 on average, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going at pick 117. EY, you weren't around last year, but uh, we actually came up with, I mean, someone came up with it. It's very obvious, the acronym for uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS. Little shout out to our guy Rob Van Dam. I was a big RVD fan growing up, so uh, I was. it was really fun to do that a lot last year with MVS, but... Um, you know, if I had to just choose one as of now, I think I lean with Marquez Valdez Scanling just because of some of the reasons you mentioned. I mean, he's a physical freak. Six foot four, ninety-six percentile in the forty-yard dash. It's a four-three-seven. He was ninety-six percentile in speed score as well in weeks five through nine without uh, Geronimo Allison on the field because Allison got hurt. MVS was wide receiver twenty-two during that stretch. So. I think this is a toss-up right now. It reminds me a lot of the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver wide receiver two situation where I'm just trying to get as many shares of either James Washington or Dante Moncrief as I could possibly get because if one of those guys emerges, then you potentially have a top 24 wide receiver on your hands, and that's exactly how I feel, feel here about Geronimo Allison versus Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think you know if one of these guys emerges and earns the trust of Aaron Rodgers, you could be looking at a potential top 24, low-end wide receiver two, potential high-end wide receiver three here in one of Geronimo Allison or MVS. So I probably lean slightly with MVS, but it is damn close right now. Uh, is there anything else that we should know about the Green Bay Packers, EY? I know they still have Jimmy Graham on this team, but they actually drafted uh, Jay Sternberger, who you know I've seen a lot of uh, draft Twitter excited about his potential for the future and for Dynasty Leagues, but... Jimmy Graham just looked like a shell of himself, and uh, overall, Aaron Rodgers hasn't really used the tight end much in his career, outside of like Jermichael Finley earlier on. But do um, you have any interest in in Jimmy Graham at this point? I mean, I, I'm always going to be interested in a guy that size and a guy with that pedigree. Like, look, Jimmy Graham is not who he was. He's not going to be, you know, running down the seam, catching balls over the middle. He doesn't have the speed anymore. He's too beat up. But the reality is, is when you're inside the twenty. And you don't have to be fast. In two two giant steps, you're standing in the end zone, and Aaron Rodgers just throws it up above everybody. Jimmy Graham can still jump and still can go up and get it because of his giant body. These are all problems that we have to figure out. But what this isn't a problem for is the Green Bay Packers and the Green Bay Packers offense. Having Jimmy Graham there as just a decoy makes them a better team. You have to respect Jimmy Graham, especially in the red zone, and you have to have somebody of some skill cover him or Aaron Rodgers is going to throw it to him every single time. That's what I believe. Yeah, as EY said, look, ultimately this just helps everybody else. Like, you can't send as much defensive attention Devontae Adams' way in the red zone, and maybe that's partially why we've seen Devontae Adams get as many red zone targets, is 
there's just too many guys to guard on this team. So ultimately, I think it, it ends up helping everybody, specifically Aaron Rodgers. Look, he's the one throwing them the ball. He's the one racking up all the fantasy points. Uh, Jimmy Graham so far this year, look into his, I'll look into his ADP here on the NFFC. I'm pretty sure he's going late. Yeah, he's tight end 20 off the board, and I think that's rightfully so. It seems like he's physically a shell of his former self. You know, he can't do the things that he used to do as much, and overall, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't use the tight end all of that much. So I understand why he's going as late as he is, but if you end up with him as like your tight end two, tight end three in a best ball league, you could probably do a lot worse than that. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings up next here. Got to talk about Kirk Cousins. Uh, EY, I believe that you were a big fan of Dalvin Cook this year, correct? I am, yeah, yeah. I like Dalvin Cook. I've liked Dalvin Cook all along. And uh, for me, you just you can't rely and, and do your basis on, on, on injury because every single guy could get hurt. So... So we'll talk. So we'll talk about Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, the passing game here with the Minnesota Vikings. The fact that Kevin Stefanski takes over as the full-time OC of this team. What does that mean for the Minnesota Vikings and all of their fantasy weapons? We'll talk about that next. It's Frank Stanfield and Eric Young here on the BFFs, the Fantasy Sports Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. probably turn my mic on. Welcome back to the BFFs. Frank Stample joined by the Eric Young here previewing the Minnesota Vikings. We just finished up the Green Bay Packers. Before we get into the Vikings real quick, I was looking at your Twitter during the break, EY, and I noticed this. A Kung Fu master, life liver, ass kicker, man without beard. I've been meaning to ask you, man, how has life been post-beard? Because I'd have to imagine you had that beard for a long time, man. Yeah, I had it for a decade. That's insane. Uh, I started, yeah, I started growing it in 2009. Um, obviously, I wasn't the first person to have a beard, but beards were definitely not popular in 2009. Um, now everyone has a beard. Like, three-quarters of the guys on the WWE roster have beards, so time for a change. You got to zig it's when nice. everyone else is zagging. Plus, a lot of hipsters have beards, EY. You don't really want to associate with them. Yeah, that was a, that was a real epidemic on our hands. People dressed like lumberjacks have never actually held an axe. I cut wood in my backyard in my flip-flops. That's why I have a beard. <laughs> I believe it. I actually believe it, too. Let's jump in here to the Minnesota Vikings. Start off real quick with Kirk Cousins, who finished last year as the QB 16 in fantasy points per game. Uh, he's being paid very handsomely by the Minnesota Vikings, and they, uh, they underperformed last year. They finished 8-7-1. and one. He was actually pressured the second most among quarterbacks behind only Deshaun Watson. So they needed to make improvements to the offensive line. They... They drafted uh, Garrett Bradbury in the first round. Uh, They bring in some offensive line depth as well with Dakota Dozier of the New York Jets, Josh Klein of the Tennessee Titans. So the offensive line should be better. Here's what I noticed, Eli, which is just crazy. And it says a lot about the state of the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins had a career year, threw for 4,300 yards, 70% completion percentage, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 
and he finished as QB 16 in fantasy points per game. I, I think that just tells you where the state of the quarterback position is right now. If you don't run as a quarterback, you need to put up phenomenal numbers to be a top 10, even a top 5 quarterback for fantasy. You have to be able to run. And we've seen in years past, the first three years with Washington, Kirk Cousins had at least four rushing touchdowns in each of those three seasons. Last year, he only had one rushing touchdown. I mean, you take away three or four rushing touchdowns, EY, that makes a huge difference. I think this just speaks to the state of the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins had a fine statistical year and still only finished QB 16. Do you have any interest in Kirk Cousins this season? Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, and he got paid because uh, he's known to be a good quarterback. I I believe Kirk Cousins is the kind of guy, if he's not pressured, he can be deadly, especially with the the offense, you know, um, having um, the the two wide receivers, Thielen and Diggs there. Those are two all-star wide receivers and having Dalvin Cook. Rudolph was uh, a pretty decent tight end at the time. They, They drafted the, is it Irv Smith? Yep, I believe. But yeah, so when he's not pressured, if the if the offensive line is even 50% better than it was last year, Kirk Cousins could 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 finish easily above where he finished last year and he was good last year. He's probably drafted too high for, to be quarterback 16, but with injury, you know, Delvin Cook not playing, the offensive line not being as good as everyone thought it was going to be. They made moves to improve that, and, and the offense all begins and ends with the offensive line. So Kirk Cousins is the guy that could, I mean, potentially to me, could finish in the top 12. Yeah, so he actually finished QB 12 in terms of accumulative points, EY, because he stayed healthy. But I like to look at points per game because I think that's a better barometer for fantasy quarterbacks because I want to know what you're doing on a weekly basis, not just, oh, you finished inside the top 12 because you were able to stay healthy. Like, there are other players who, you know, miss a game here or there who are going to finish lower in terms of the accumulative points. But, you know, in terms of points per game, he did fall down a little bit, uh, down to QB 16. I might be looking a little bit too much into this EY, but everything that I've seen in the offseason tells me that the Minnesota Vikings want to get back to playing hard-nosed defense, and I understand they're playing Kirk Cousins, paying Kirk Cousins a lot of money, but I think that they want to run the football. When John DiFilippo was fired as the offensive coordinator, through the first 13 games, Kirk Cousins averaged 40.3 pass attempts. Over the final three weeks with Kevin Stefanski as their offensive coordinator calling plays, he averaged just 27.3 pass attempts per game. So his volume went down tremendously. Do you think that that's something that I'm looking a little bit too much into here, EY? Because I think that they want to run the football first and foremost. You see that with their draft picks. They draft the center in the first round. They draft Irv Smith in the second round. They want to run a lot of two tight end sets with him and Kyle Rudolph. And they and they drafted Alexander Madison, a, their backup running back now to Dalvin Cook, in the third round. I think that this wants to be a ground and pound football team. Am I reading too much into this when it comes to Kirk Cousins? I don't think so. So, I mean, to me, this is in just in general football this year, this is one of the big storylines. And one of the things that I'm most fascinated in is how many teams are claiming this. Think about like just today we've talked about, or yesterday you guys talked about the Detroit Lions and we want to run the ball and Tennessee, they're saying, well, Derrick Henry is going to be the bell cow. We want to run the ball. And the Minnesota Vikings want a ground pound. They're going to run the ball. We're saying that the new Orleans saints are going to run the ball. Like to me, Football has changed and won't allow you to run the ball like they used to. Uh, the, the offense is is spread out 
The rules have changed to make this a passing league, not a running league. So the truth is, is I I think a lot of teams want to run the ball, but the reality is, is teams are going to score and you're going to need to score too. If you want to stay competitive, everybody wants to run the ball. And I mean, really think about it. How many teams have you heard say that this off season, we want to run the ball. We want to be dominant and run the ball. We have to have the ball and you have to have a lead to run the ball all the time. And the truth is, is other teams are just going to score. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think you could say that really about all sports, right? Like, EY, I know you hate baseball, but the game of baseball has changed as well. And I think that, you know, what we've seen with football the past couple of years is that it's really, really changed into a passing league. And you mentioned how the rules have changed and that that has favored it being more of a passing league. But I think as many as many teams as we've heard saying that they want to be a run-first football team this offseason – I think, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think a lot of teams want to be a running team. But again, like you mentioned, look, you have to play good enough defense if you want to be a running football team. Because if your defense falters, you're playing from behind, and then you're going to have to play catch-up, and you're going to have to ru- uh, you're gonna have to throw the football. The Minnesota Vikings, they're probably in the best position out of any team that has said that to actually be able to do that. They still have a really, really good defense. So they play, they play hard-nosed defense. They want to run the football. That starts and it ends with... Dalvin Cook, who we teased before the break. Last season, he finished as RB20 in points per game. He's missed 15 games in his first two seasons now due to a torn ACL and hamstring issues last year. Uh, 72% of the snap share for the, the Vikings last year. That was ninth highest among running backs. So he was the workhorse running back for this team when he was on the field. EY, tell us a little bit more why you like Dalvin Cook this season. So right now I got him uh, as my number eight. And the truth is, is Delvin Cook is, is just the same as Aaron Jones. There is, I mean, there really isn't a ceiling. The guy can do everything. Um, Having two super high caliber wide receivers on that team will open up plenty of running lanes for him. He's fast. He can catch the ball. He can run with power. He can run between the tackles. He can run off the edge. Uh, zone blocking, whatever it is, Delvin Cook can get it done. Now, if if there are going to be what they say, Delvin Cook could finish in the top five if they're going to run the ball like they say. But like I'm saying is, we don't know until the games start playing. Is they, the coaches can say whatever they want, it, you know that. Mike Zimmer, you know the, the the coaching system in in Minnesota can say we want to run the ball, but in the end, they have to be winning. Everyone wants to run the ball because that means that you're winning the football game. That's that's how running the football works, especially in today's today's football. So you know, for me, Delvin Cook is high, um, has a very very high ceiling, and could end up being in the top five. Ewan, piggybacking off that point that you just made. Don't you think the Minnesota Vikings are probably in one of the best positions to do that? Like, given the defense that they have, does that also factor into why you like Dalvin Cook? Because I look at last year as it's not completely fluky because their offensive line was bad. So I think that, you know, they've tried to address that a little bit here in the offseason. But I think that they are in a really good position to have a lot of leads late in games and be winning a lot of football games and play good defense. And I think that all kind of works itself back into you liking Dalvin Cook as much as you do. Is that something that you've factored into your decision? Yeah, I was surprised at how weak the the defense was last year. They were supposed to be a very strong defense, and they just weren't. Um, I think part of that was is you know too many three and outs. The defense is on the field all the time because their number one running back is hurt, and their O-line is, is getting their quarterback beat up. Kirk Cousins can be a real mess when he's under pressure. When he's got a 
change the plan and scramble. Not that he can't move. He's fairly mobile, but just he's just not a super effective quarterback when things break down. And last year in Minnesota, things broke down a lot. He said that Deshaun Jackson was the only quarterback pressured more than him. If he's pressured half the amount of time, the Minnesota Vikings are going to be a dangerous team. What worries me is that they've got to play Green Bay and they've got to play Chicago. You know, that there's four games. Those two teams are going to score. And you're just going to have to keep up. So we'll see. But that's what another reason I like Devin Cook because he he does both. You know, he catches, he runs. The guy can do everything. He touches the ball. He can take it to the house every single time. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. 4.7 yards per carry throughout his career so far. It has been a brief career for Dalvin Cook. Last year, a 16-game pace. He was on pace for 71 targets and 58 receptions. All right, that's not Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, but that's no slouch either. If you could come close to 60 receptions, I think that we would all take that from Dalvin Cook. And, you know, there are underlying, you know, advanced statistics that show he was number two in juke rate last year amongst running backs. He was number eight in evaded tackles per game. He is a really talented running back. And I looked over the final three games when Kevin Stefanski was calling plays for this team because I think that's really what we should use this year, projecting into this season, because... You know, that was kind of a sneak peek for what we should expect. And over those final three games, Dalvin Cook's snap percentage went up to 76%. He averaged 18 touches per game. So that's that's near a workhorse workload. He averaged 110 scrimmage yards per game over those final three weeks as well. The one thing I will say is I want the touchdowns to go up. Latavius Murray is no longer there. I worry a little bit because the running back that they drafted, Alexander Madison, I mean, this guy's a bowling ball, EY, and if there's anything that he's really good at doing, it's scoring touchdowns. He scored 33 touchdowns in his career at Boise State. He's a bigger back, 5'11", 220 pounds, so I'm really just hoping that he doesn't vulture the goal line carries away from Dalvin Cook because I agree with you. I think if Dalvin Cook stays healthy, he legitimately has top 10, maybe top 5 upside this season, Uh, but I do like Alexander Madison as one of my favorite handcuffs this year just based on the fact that Dalvin Cook has dealt with as many knee and hamstring injuries over his first two seasons. EY, who are, who are a few of the names that you have Dalvin Cook just ahead of in your running back rankings? Because right now, he's basically going neck and neck with guys like Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb. Do you, you like Dalvin Cook ahead of both of those guys as well? I have Nick Chubb uh, one above Dalvin Cook. I think Cleveland is going to be really hard to stop, and everyone's talking about Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt isn't going to play until week 11. Like. There's just no way to know what's going to be going on in week 11. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm really, really high on Nick Chubb. I was really high on him last year and had him in a bunch of places, and it rewarded me. Obviously, he's more expensive this year because the year he had last year. Them getting Beckham is only going to help them. Mayfield being in the system, catching, uh, Kitchens playing the calling the plays. It's just going to be a really powerful year for Cleveland. Um, Gurley is one under Delvin Cook. Joe Mixon, Damian Williams, those are the guys that I'm drafting around there. And when I say, oh, these are my ranks, these are not written in stone. Look at it. It's, it's not even August yet. So I'm, you know, I mean, every day these change. I literally, you know, I've moved Devonte Adams up today because of the conversation we had. This is why we talk about this stuff. This is why people need to watch their show and, and, and immerse yourself in what is going on because things change daily. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I like when we get differing opinions as well, because you hear us argue about who we like more when we're talking about two certain players. And then when you get both sides of things, it helps you form your opinion more so on similar players going into fantasy football this season. When we come back, I do want to quickly hit on Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. 
two phenomenal pass catchers here. It's Frank Stanfield, EY, BFFs, Fantasy Sports Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to the BFFs. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by my good buddy, Eric Young. Only got EY for a couple more minutes here. That's why I want to hit on these Vikings wide receivers real, real quick. Adam Thielen, he was phenomenal last season. There's no way around it. Started the season with eight consecutive games of 100 yards or more. Uh, that set a new NFL record. He finishes wide receiver eight in fantasy points per game. Back-to-back seasons of 140-plus targets, that 26% target share, 90-plus receptions, and at least 1,275 yards. He was wide receiver one in points per game through Week 10. That was their bye. From Week 11 on, he was wide receiver 28 in points per game. Uh, You know, that's when Stephon Diggs started to come along a little bit more, and Adam Thielen wasn't as healthy. EY, how are you handling the Vikings pass catchers? Because to me, it seems like two years in a row now, Thielen has kind of trailed off in the second half of seasons, while Stefan Diggs has been the more consistent of the two. Both of these guys right now are going in round three of fantasy drafts. Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of problem as he had last last year, is I believe that they're both very good receivers. They both kind of do the same thing. They have the kind of the same toolbox skill set. So it's, it's really, it is just pick your poison. Like, if you took Thielen last year, you probably Diggs went before him almost in every draft. If you took Thielen, the first eight games, you look like a super genius. He looked like he was going to break all the records for receivers. Uh, this is uh, what an amazing story to, to, to follow. You know, a, a guy that just didn't give up on himself and is now one of the, you know the the most famous wide receivers and one and considered one of the best all round receivers in football. Yeah, it is an awesome story here. Look, an awesome duo here. Probably, off the top of my head, one of, if not the best duo of wide receivers in the NFL here between Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. You know, other wide receivers going right around this range, A.J. Green, Amari Cooper. Now, I think I might lean with those guys over Thielen or Diggs, EY, just because, you know, those are the respective wide receiver ones for their team, and I think that they're going to run uh, run the football more this year for the Minnesota Vikings, but... That's all we have for EY today. EY, you're back tomorrow, right? Yes, sir. Cool. So we're going to jump over to the AFC. I'll text you after this, figure out which teams we want to do in the AFC tomorrow. But coming up next, Hour 2, the closer, Chris Venture joins us for EY. Frank Sample. we'll be back right after this. Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super. 